Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Since billionaire Elon Musk took over ownership of Twitter in October, he reversed censorship policy on COVID-19 misinformation and reinstated thousands of banned accounts, many of which belong to far-right, extremist, and racist individuals and groups. Some Twitter users are deleting their accounts to avoid a Twitter environment they say is more hostile and untrustworthy. How is this new environment affecting native Twitter and its ability to connect? Stay with us, we'll discuss after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland is reiterating the Justice Department's commitment to civil rights cases for Native Americans. He spoke at the White House Tribal Nation Summit last week in Washington, D.C. Garland pointed to the case announced earlier this year involving the Grand Gateway Hotel in Rapid City. As South Dakota Public Broadcasting's Lee Strubinger reports, one group wants the DOJ to do more. The Justice Department announced its lawsuit against the hotel in October. That came several months after the owner posted on social media that Native Americans were no longer allowed at their hotel and bar. Days after, some Natives were allegedly denied service. Attorney General Garland says protecting the civil rights of all individuals was a founding purpose of the department. It remains an urgent priority. For example, earlier this fall, the department filed a lawsuit against the owners and operators of a hotel and bar in South Dakota for violating the Civil Rights Act of 1964 by discriminating against Native American customers. The Justice Department is working hard to make good on our commitment to improve the well-being of tribal communities. The president of a group that initially brought the lawsuit says he appreciates the DOJ looking into racist activity in Rapid City. However, Indian Collective's Nick Tilson says the department is not willing to look into deeper systemic racism. We ask them to expand the scope of their investigation because we understand the behaviors of the Grand Gateway Hotel are a byproduct of a culture of systematic racism here in the community. Taking down Grand Gateway or holding them accountable is not going to be the end all for us. Tilson also says Indian Collective and others are asking the DOJ to pardon the country's longest serving indigenous political prisoner, Leonard Peltier. For National Native News, I'm Lee Strubinger in Rapid City. The public comment period ends Monday, December 5th on the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's draft of its Alaska Native Relations Policy. Crystal Chiskook-Leonetti is the agency's Alaska Native Affairs Specialist. So while the Native American policy applies everywhere, including Alaska, we needed to have these unique considerations. The draft policy recognizes the impacts of climate change on Alaska's landscape. It also mentions the inclusion of indigenous traditional knowledge and co-management efforts. The policy will also require Alaska Native Relations training and education for Fish and Wildlife Service employees. That is designed to illuminate the current status of the nutritional and spiritual and cultural connection to living a subsistence way of life, that it is also um, really important for Alaska Native people to continue that way of life for reasons beyond nutrition. 
The relationship between the agency and Alaska Native people has not always been amicable. Leonetti says improving those relationships is central to developing the policy. Since 2016, she's worked alongside a 12-member team of representatives from every region of Alaska. We wanted to make sure every word and every sentence was agreed upon by the entire group. And if it wasn't, we, we talked about it until we could agree on the language that made sense for everybody. Leonetti expects it will be signed and included in the agency's national manual sometime in 2023. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov IACB, who support this program. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. For all its faults, Twitter is an effective means for sharing and discussing Native news, issues, culture, language, and business. But for many Native Twitter users, the social media platform is increasingly losing its luster after its takeover by billionaire Elon Musk. There are fears that an unmuzzling far-right and white supremacist of voices is making it a hotbed of hate speech against people of color. And since Musk did away with Twitter's censorship of COVID-19 misinformation, those in the medical community fear how unchecked misinformation could cause a surge in COVID infections and death. What's your take on Twitter now? Have you deleted your account because of changes brought on by new ownership? Or are you okay with Twitter and planning to stay on the platform? Join the conversation at 1-800-996-2848. We're also at 1-800-99-NATIVE. And yes, we're still on Twitter. You can respond to our latest tweet or mention us at 1-800-99-NATIVE. Speaking with us first is our Cherokee children's author and former Twitter user, Tracy Sorrell. Tracy, welcome back to Native America Calling. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, Tracy, you first joined Twitter in 2015 and had a pretty strong following among your readers, but you closed your account in response to the Twitter takeover. Why? Um, it's it's really a continuum of a lot of different things. I mean, we're seeing, you know, we've, we've been in this pandemic. There's been a lot of loss um, within my family, within a group of friends, and, and certainly within um, the Cherokee Nation, which I'm a citizen of. And um, when I had heard that he might take over Twitter and, you know, there was a process there, I was like, well, if this actually goes through, 
um, you know, I had not been as active on Twitter prior to the former president being um, when he was on there. And uh, since he was banned and um, the it's not that there aren't dumpster fires on Twitter, but certainly, um, you know, there was a a lot of communications with teachers and librarians. And that's obviously, since I write for young people, people that are buying the books and giving access to young people are teachers, librarians, and other people in their community, you know, their family, uh, friends, et cetera. Um, I noticed uh, with him coming back and that, and that sense of like, we're going to, you know, just unleash everything. I was like, well, we're already under such pressure with book bans and, you know, Several of my books have, have been on those national lists. And, of course, if you read those books, there's nothing controversial in them except that they present, you know, Native people in our full humanity, whether it's a Cherokee subject or, or whatever. And so first and foremost, what readers and people that read my books want are the books. And ultimately, I just decided it's better for me to focus on keeping my humanity and myself <laughs> in a positive space to create those works, whether they're fiction or nonfiction. And so that's really what prompted me to say, you know, of all the things that take up my time, this, even with, you know, uh, the following that I had, I was like, this is not a good use moving forward of my time. I've lost a lot of people to COVID. And like I say, I just need to focus on creating the books, but really also being able to have that space and positivity to uplift and bring other Native writers and artists into creating works for our young people. So you made the decision to close your account earlier this fall. And how many followers did you have on Twitter, Tracy? I had about 6,800. So, I mean, it's not huge compared to some people like my friend, Dr. Baker, who you're going to talk to. Um, but it was the largest of any of my platforms. And, and like I say, at the same time, um, I just said, okay, what is the cost to me personally here? And I just could not justify it. And I haven't <laughs> missed it, um, to be to be perfectly honest. Have you had any of your users reach out to you via other channels and say, hey, Tracy, what happened? We're, we missed you on Twitter. No, I think people generally speaking, you know, know there's been a lot of um, people in who write for young people in general who have left Twitter. Um, so I'm not, I'm certainly not, you know, an anomaly, but, uh, I have seen a lot more people follow me on my author Facebook page and my Instagram page. Those have grown as a result. So of course, this, uh, controversial billionaire, Elon Musk, who, who's constantly in the headlines for any number of things. And of course, uh, he made a career in many ways out of posting on, on Twitter and other channels and, um, so here you are, Tracy, you're no longer on Twitter. Um, what would it take to get you back on Twitter? Could anything happen and changes be made to, to make you reconsider your decision? I mean, certainly I feel like, you know, we all hear a very short amount of time, right? And so if we focus on being in community with each other, then that's okay. You know, and again, not that Twitter didn't have its challenges before, but when we're wholesale setting up, um, a place of communication where there's just copious amounts of disinformation and my whole work and the work of so many people that I work with is about dispelling that, you know, our representations as, as native nations have been so egregious in this country in the K-12 system and how we're presented in mainstream society outside of K-12 
So our, our work is in having us represented, whether that's in the past, in the present, or in the future, in our full humanity. And in a platform where someone says, you know, we're going to share all kinds of stuff that, you know, isn't true about a global pandemic, a deadly disease, which has taken a lot from all of our Native nations, in addition to, you know, giving, you know, uh, an unleashed platform to those on the far right who definitely are not interested in our humanity, our continued survival um, as one of their central tenets of being, I, I'm just like that, that that needs to be addressed. And, but if that's, that's where you're at and that's, that's your values, then, then I don't need to spend my time there. Tracy, what about your native friends, colleagues, family members that were also on Twitter? Uh, are they still on? Are they leaving? What are you hearing? Some of them have left and some are, are still there. So um, some of them are like, Oh, I left a long time ago. <laughs> Why were you still there? You know, kind of thing. Um, so I, I find a lot of people are like, um, when are you just going to abandon the platform? You know, and people had asked me that before. And I was like, well, I connect with teachers and librarians on there. And, um, and what I've realized is that those folks are going to find my books anyway. And um they'll, you know, through, through other channels, um, certainly, uh, the publishers and things. So it's, it's not as critical for me to, to be there, um, as, as I thought it was. Okay. And like well, I say, my mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional health is, is far more important than any and all of that. <laughs> okay. Well, Tracy, please stay with us. We have some more questions for you, but I'm going to go ahead and move on to our next guest. Joining us from Newtown, North Dakota is Dr. Twyla Baker. She's president of Nuita Hidatsa Sanish College. She's a member of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation. Uh, Twyla, welcome to Native America Calling as well. well. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, we just heard from Tracy and, and her decision to leave Twitter. And, and I want to know about you, Twyla. How about you? I mean, you have a, a very, very successful Twitter account called Native Twitter. It is a personal account, not, not a work account. It's personal, but it's very popular. Uh, is it still open or have you moved on? I've actually still got it up. It's it's kind of odd because um, I, I started my Twitter several years ago just <laughs> purely kind of to to yell out into the void, and <laughs> apparently <laughs> folks like the yelling. So <laughs> yeah, and and I I run um, my accounts under Indigenia um, on my other social media as well, and um, it just happens that Twitter happened to be the most successful one, at least as far as reach goes. So. And how many followers does Native Twitter have? Uh, oh gosh, mine um, has about forty k, which is you know it's it's not a compared to like other uh, I don't know platform holders I guess you could say it's not enormous, but I mean it's for Native Twitter it's, it's respectable. It's respectable. Yeah, certainly. So listening to Tracy and and she shared why she made her decision. And how about you? Did you grapple with some of those issues as well with regard to misinformation and some of these uh, accounts that were reinstated that were were highly polarizing? Yes, um, to to a degree um, I have. It's it's um, Twitter is just like a microcosm of the world. It's like a, a tiny percentage of what um, people consume in the U.S. every single day uh, in terms of like social media and, you know, media period. And honestly, it's um, it's it's a fast way to get um, inf- news and information out there. And yeah, that the changeover has been 
interesting to say the least. Um, it's, uh, I think part of what keeps me on there is for one, um, just the fact that I kind of run my account sort of like, um, I, I, I don't get into the trenches. I don't really, I don't fight with trolls. I don't engage with, um, folks who are necessarily trying to bait me. I, I try to, you know, I'm a research scientist and I try to get, um, information out there. I check my sources and all that sort of thing, you know, um, and try to keep it positive and things of that nature. And um, honestly, I, I haven't seen a, um, anything that has, uh, you know, wanted me to jump off of the platform just yet. Although it's, you know, it's always going to be a day-by-day -day thing, you know. Um, I'm not sure what it would take for me to hop off of the, the platform, but, you know, I'll pr I'm going to recognize it when I see it. And, you know, right now that hasn't happened yet. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, honestly, you know, as to what's happening. Absolutely. And for now, you're staying put. And last week, folks, we uh, posted a poll on our Twitter handle, our Twitter page. Uh, the question was, are you planning to quit Twitter now that Elon Musk is in charge? And we had good feedback. A lot of folks responded. Nine and a half percent said yes. Forty two point nine percent said no. And forty seven point six percent, the majority of respondents said they're not sure. Well, Let's talk more after this next break, and we're going to hear about how Twitter is used by various native influencers and the impact of some of these changes made at Twitter. 1-800-99-NATIVE is the number to call if you have a question or comment. Forensic science plays a crucial role in a wide range of criminal investigations. It's a broad field with career options ranging from photography to pathology. However, a report from Forensic Science International found a dramatic lack of diversity in the field. On the next Native America Calling, we'll talk with Native professionals about their work in forensic science. A halugi ste na atalo he a huge ala so e atanilo he ste his solda ka goyata wejaja yong he a holy gulati goyata his solda ka wejaja no he taniyaya a yelenu tanadega unaccessa na www.medicare.gov/coverage/flu-shots he a getsa no sa Medicare ala Medicaid unatalo e. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about that little bluebird that first took flight in 2006 and grew to become one of the largest social media platforms in the world. Yep, Twitter. And we want your take on how the platform has changed since Elon Musk took over ownership. Do you hate it? Do you love it? Or do you even care? Share your thoughts at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We're speaking with a... Mandan Hidatsa and Arikara, social media influencer and Twitter influencer as well, Dr. Twyla Baker. And uh, Twyla, I, I read the results of our Twitter poll, our informer, informal Twitter poll before the break there, and uh, the majority of respondents said they're not sure if they're going to plan to quit Twitter. Does that surprise you at all? Not really. I, I think um, folks are kind of probably sitting out and wait to see um, uh, kind of similar to 
how I am. And, and honestly, there's kind of a community sense on on uh, Twitter and native Twitter in particular. Uh, we we probably make up a really tiny small percentage of of Twitter u- users. Period. And when you find each other, then you kind of want to stick around. <laughs> so so it's it's you know it's a nice space to be in and the connections that you make and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of disincentivizes you from wanting to, to leave right away. But, you know, I, I think we're all being kind of vigilant, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And watching, watching the changes. Right. Right. Um, Tracy, Tracy Sorrell, our, our author on the show, what are your thoughts on that poll? 47% of respondents said they're not sure what they're going to do about Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very individual decision, and I completely understand people say, saying, like, you know, wait and see. I mean, like I said, um, you know, for myself, I, I definitely, um, you know, with my books um, and, and the books of other people, you know, being banned and being – and there's just more of those folks coming back into the platform who are, are looking to attack. It's like, again – to, to filter that out and whether I'm engaging with it or not, like it's there, you know, in, in your feed. And uh, I, I just have no desire to, to give space for that or to have that around. Cause I'm, I'm dealing with it already, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but like I say, for each person, I mean, certainly um, it is difficult to not, you know, to figure out what, what it is that it means to you and what it could provide in terms of connection or, um, separating yourself from that. And certainly, you know, my friend, Dr. Baker, I mean, um, Tracy Sorrell's following is not the same as Dr. Baker's following. And so (laughs) the, you know, um, you know, I love her posts and, um, but you know, we have each other's phone number. Like I I can stay in touch with her. No problem. You know, um, for, for most of the people that I connected with there, you know, yes. Um, there was a good portion that were native, but there were also a lot of um, teachers, librarians, indie bookstore folks that are um, within, but, you know, mostly outside of our, our community. And so, uh, like I say, I know those folks can find me in other ways. Well, let's go back to Dr. Twyla Baker. And Twyla, earlier, I apologize, I misspoke. I said you, your handle is Native Twitter, and that's not actually your handle. Native Twitter is a community of Twitter users, and you're very active uh, with regard to Native Twitter. You, you have a big presence, but could you explain to our, our listeners more about Native Twitter? What is it exactly, and who all does it uh, attract? Oh my goodness, it's such a big amorph- amorphous thing, and <laughs> and honestly, it's 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 what I, I have the sense that it's like this microcosm of what we do as indigenous people um, in regular life. <laughs> we go and we find each other and we hang out, you know, and it's like hashtag native Twitter and you'll hop onto that, you know, click on that hashtag and you're going to find a community. You're going to have, you're going to find voices from all different types of nations from, you know, first nations to um, people uh, on the uh, other side of the Southern borders you know, all over the place, um, indigenous voices from all over the place. And it, we talk to each other, we commiserate, we share ideas, we, you know, share um, community care, we, you know, retweet each other. It's just a lot of, a lot of um, information gets passed around. And there's just, it, it's what we do as indigenous people, except on a social media platform, you know? So. Mm-hmm. 
So in light of these changes, recent developments, are you concerned about the future of native Twitter? Um, I, I feel like, um, so, so native people are one of the biggest presences on another social platform that is um, at, at least one of the biggest um, ethnic minority presences on Facebook. And, and we're going to find each other, you know, it's, and it's just a matter, this just happened to be kind of a convenient avenue. Um, I have the sense that that's going to pop up somewhere else. I don't know that. I mean, if Twitter just completely fails and goes away forever, we're going to find each other. You know, it's it's you know it's kind of a given. Uh, I just don't think anybody's found that um, avenue just yet. But you know, it's 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 what we do. It's just like what Tracy was talking about. She's got my number. She can find me, <laughs> and and I can find her. And we you know we do we connect. So. Okay, but you and Tracy, your friends, your colleagues, and you have uh, that privilege of being able to contact each other directly. But what about, I mean, there, you have 40,000 followers, and uh, I, I imagine not every one of those people has your number, Twyla, and can't just call you directly. No. So are you worried about some of those other followers, or, or what are you doing on other platforms? Are, have you been, in the event that things go south with Twitter, do you have a backup plan if that happens in, in, in using other media channels and things like that? Yeah, I do. I actually, um, I, I, um, I, I'm indigenia on my other social media platforms, and I did notice an uptick in my um, my Instagram. Uh, I, I actually reshare a lot of the stuff that I post on my Twitter onto my Instagram, and um, I've just kind of changed up the means by which I do that. I've uh, just sharing text and thoughts and things like that on my Instagram. And um, boy, uh, once uh, Elon took over, then my goodness, my numbers just kind of started rolling. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be around. I have a tendency to continue to want to write. So, and, it, and social media happens to be a very um, convenient means of, you know, pumping that out there. And I'm going to be around and people will be able to find me under Intigenia. Now, what's your thought on these uh, these verified blue accounts? People can pay $8 to have an account that's supposedly verified. Uh, do you think that's any sort of uh, value-added component to Twitter right now? To me, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's such a, um, I don't know, if, I feel like it's, it's a disservice to, the, to those folks who um, had the blue checks prior to the introduction of that it's it right now it's a uh, it's a vehicle for um must to make money uh, um it's it is my you know short take on it and it's it, <laughs> i don't know that it really adds any type of value except for the the gentleman who wants to you know try to make twitter prof profitable um so so you know i definitely will not be engaging with that and as far as um the other folks i'm I've, i'm haven't i think i have enough background with with it with the platform to know who was a blue check that i was following prior to <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll continue to follow those folks and then probably check on the new ones that i see <laughs> and yourself have you paid eight dollars for for twitter blue I have not, and I will not. <laughs> okay, all righty. Well, let's move on to our third guest on the show today. Joining us from Nipissing in Ontario, Canada is Aileen Kuchi. She's an interdisciplinary artist and writer. She's Anishinaabe from the Nipissing First Nation. Aileen, welcome to Native America Calling. 
Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on the show, Aylin, and I got to ask you as well, what's your status? Are you still tweeting? I am. I am. I've been sick the last couple of weeks, so I've been <laughs> not tweeting as much as I, I normally am, but um, I'm sticking around on the platform. And what do you like about Twitter still? Um, well, to be honest with you, I, you know, the native Twitter community is, is very important to me. Um, uh, you know, even uh, beyond as uh, much as like what Twyla was saying, um, beyond the Canadian borders, um, over into Australia and New Zealand, um, you know, it's a good way to sort of keep up on what the, you know, on what's going on indigenous rights and sovereignty wise in other areas of the world. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, just that huge, huge international presence, uh, far, far beyond Turtle Island with indigenous people. And um, also, when we think uh, of Twitter, um, social media in general, uh, it, it's been a huge, huge uh, communication channel for online activism. And um, are you concerned with, with how some of these messages with regard to Native activists and awareness are going to be... Will they be able to, do you think, going forward, will they be silenced or, or will they still have their platforms as, as before? Yeah, so that's actually just a, a huge concern for me, um, with, especially with the takeover and him bringing back, you know, right-wing uh, platforms. Um, in terms of, like, we don't really know what happens next time there's, like, a standing rock or an idle no more, um, you know, where those hashtags were like very, very important for, um, for communication. Um, and so I, I kind of, I'm concerned that there would be some suppression of that sort of, of that sort of um, activism only because, you know, given Elon Musk's history and, you know, uh, indigenous rights don't really <laughs> coincide hmm. with a lot of that resources extraction, extraction stuff. Sorry, got a bit of a cold still. Um, but yeah, it, that that's my biggest concern is um, because I even as myself as you know I've used Twitter as a platform for activism in the past. Um, you know, I was fighting the local or our Ontario government here for the Indigenous Culture Fund to not be. Um, taken away and I you know Twitter was a huge part of getting the word out and getting signatures on that petition right so um, yeah that's my biggest concern really how many followers do you have Aylin? Um, I my follower account has actually dropped significantly since Elon Musk actually was watching the day that he took over and I was just you know, watching my numbers drop. So I'm, I'm at about 900 or 9,600 and some odd. Um, but that's dropped about at, at least well over 200 followers since, since Musk took over. First, the first wave was when he took over and the second wave was when he announced that Trump was getting his um, account back. So. Interesting. And how, mm -hmm. how exactly do you use Twitter, uh, both professionally and personally? Um, well, I use it. I, 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 I'm a mix, 50-50. Um, I use it a lot to sort of get the word out about what's going on, you know, locally with our with our community. We're in the middle of a, a huge treaty negotiation right now, so you know, retweeting that sort of uh, information is important. Um, also, we, you know, we just um, lost several Indigenous women 
um, to a serial killer out by Winnipeg lately. So, you know, that's become uh, a component of getting that word out, um, you know, not only to other Indigenous people, but to the non-Indigenous people who choose to follow Native Twitter to understand what's happening a little bit better. Well, I'm really sorry to hear about that, uh, a serial killer up in Winnipeg. But it does make me think because in many communities, uh, Twitter can can be like the main source uh, of local news and, and stories and issues that nobody else is covering can gain traction on Twitter. And this can be a, a huge resource for many people, especially Native and Indigenous people living in more remote or, or rural environments. And is that a concern for you, Aylin, that uh, that just some native people might be limited in the amount of news that they're able to get local news through through twitter yeah i i am i mean facebook is is kind of a you know the backup i i would say um but you don't it doesn't have i don't think facebook has the reach that um that twitter does only because you're you know with the retweet you're you're getting eyeballs on maybe on people who have never seen you know uh people from native Twitter that often. Right. So, um, but yes, definitely for like somebody remote and like, I am actually fairly remote. I'm in Northern Ontario. And even for myself and my own profession, um, I've actually been afforded a lot more speaking opportunities and, uh, and writing opportunities through Twitter. So, um, as a platform for, for being able to have indigenous voices, you know, accessible to your everyday Joe Blow, um, Twitter is a very strong platform for that reason. And have you seen uh, any ways in, in which Twitter has been used uh, in a hostile or uh, a very dangerous manner specifically towards Indigenous people? Definitely. Um, several years ago, I can it still sits very prominently. Um, we lost uh, a young man named Colton Bushi was was killed by a, a farmer, a non-Indigenous farmer out in, um, in the prairies. And um, you couldn't even tweet his name without getting attacked by, you know, like just the most racist, vile trolls. Um, thankfully, there's a block feature and a report feature. And, you know, I, I often question with Elon Musk saying he's going to bring back all of the people who have been suspended, how many years and years and years worth of, um, act, you know, actively trying to report and get these accounts silenced, um, is, is that going to bring everybody back again, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Colton Bushy, and we have uh, covered Colton Bushy on Native America Calling before. Folks, if you go ahead and uh, look at the archives, you'll find a couple of shows uh, that were dedicated to uh, Colton Bushy uh, and uh, some of the issues, the unfortunate issues uh, surrounding his death. And um, just a, a really interesting show today. We've got some uh, social media people on the show, influencers, social media experts, uh, just concerned Native folks who use Twitter and other forms of social media. And we're getting their take on what the future holds for Twitter and in their own uh networks and folks if you have a question if you've got a comment if, if you're a twitter user or you've never used twitter in your life uh give us a holler we'd love to hear your thoughts on what 
is in change, what's in store with these changes at Twitter. 1-800-996-2848. That's the number to call. Or other forms of social media that you might use that um, you're using now more than you did before since uh, Twitter has changed. Let us know what other types of social media you use. What do you use it for? Do you use it for work? Do you use it for personal reasons? Do you use it to connect with family and friends? Do you post information? Do you retweet information? Let us know what kinds of things you use social media for and why it's important to your life. And the big question is, if it all went away tomorrow, would you be okay? Could you go back to that world before social media? We had a couple of our guests saying, hey, I still got my friends' phone numbers. I can call them anytime. I know how to get a hold of them with or without Twitter. Are you in that camp? Let us know. 1-800-996-2848. Stay with us. We'll be right back. What if someone said you owe money to the IRS and have to pay with a gift card? What if they ask for a gift card so you can avoid arrest, help a family member, or keep your social security benefits? No real business or government agency will ever tell you to pay with a gift card. Anyone who does is a scammer. Gift cards are for gifts, not for paying someone. If anyone tells you to pay with a gift card, tell the Federal Trade Commission, the nation's consumer protection agency, at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. Welcome back to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. The social media platform Twitter is our focus today, and recent changes since a $44 billion buyout placed the company into private ownership. Are you still tweeting, or did you delete your account in protest? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. We want to hear from both former and current Native Twitter users. The number again, 1-800-996-2848. Aylin Cucci is an interdisciplinary artist and writer. She's up in Ontario, Canada. And Aylin, uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, some of these recent developments, uh, the dumpster fires, the misinformation, the hostility, the anger, the racism overt in some cases uh, of Twitter that's really taken fire since this big change uh, in leadership there. But one thing we have to remember is that a, a lot of these dynamics were in, in play long before Elon Musk bought Twitter long before some of these recent developments. In fact, if you go back even before the January 6th incident, there was Charlottesville in Virginia, and uh, social media, Twitter played a big role in, in that chaos and that violence as well. And, and I understand you did some research on that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did for my, uh, my thesis was on monuments and uh, under, under the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada. Um, and so I was definitely right during the middle of it um, is when Charlottesville happened. Um, and that was definitely something that we saw play out on Twitter, um, you know, organized also on social media um, by the Unite the Right. So, um, yeah, and I do agree with you that this, you know, this sort of um, vitriol has been around for, for longer um, than, you know, than pre-Elon Musk, of course. Um, and I guess, I guess, you know, the biggest concern is, is what's he bringing back, you know, with, with everybody piling back onto Twitter with, with um, him taking over the platform. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there's so many other social media platforms out there and there's constantly new ones being created. Are, are there any new social media platforms out there that, that you're paying attention to or, or you're communicating on? Well, when uh, when there was a little bit of worry when Twitter shut down for the weekend, I <laughs> I was one of the many who went over and checked out Mastodon. Now there are problems with Mastodon inherent that people, um, you know, from a social justice standpoint, that people have been talking about. Um, so far, I've I've connected with quite a few people from native Twitter over on on Mastodon, um, but definitely it's harder to find them unless they're specifically uh, posting with that either native Twitter or native Mastodon hashtag. Um, and there's not that many people doing that, unfortunately. So, um, so yeah, finding them has mostly been them, you know, just me seeing them posting on Twitter, here's my Mastodon account, and then me going over and following them over that way. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an alternative um, for sure. And, and um, I've signed up as like a beta tester for whatever Jack Dorsey's coming out with. <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping that it'll be, it'll be similar. So we'll see what happens with that, you know? Jack Dorsey, the creator, founder, co-founder of Twitter, and he's uh, building up for a big second act with a, with a, a new social media platform to compete against uh, the Twitter that he, he created. Let's go to the phones. We have Jed listening on WOJB in Lacoudere in Wisconsin. Jed, you're on the air. Bonjour. Thank you very much. Thanks to your guests and your audience. Just a few brief comments from a non-user. Uh, one, a teaching a long time ago, the medium is the message. So instead of understanding it as good Twitter, bad Twitter, it's Twitter. So all that time that people spend on Twitter, we don't get that back. So just to remind folks, you know, that's time. Uh, secondly, another teacher told me once when they were trying to blame violence in America on rap music, he told me America was violent before rap. And so, as we all know, there's a history, a long history of racism and misinformation, disinformation before Twitter. There certainly and, uh, is. Certainly like is. Like your guests, you know, like your guests can call each other. I'm in the same camp. When I want to see my neighbor, all willing, I go see my neighbor. So, as I say, I say FaceTime, not Facebook. But I'm <laughs> okay. not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I just don't use it. So. All right. All right, Jed, thank you for that call. Uh, FaceTime, FaceTime, not Facebook, <laughs> or face fake, uh, fake book, you said it was. Really good, Jed. Good call. Thank you. And, and, and making sure we remember uh, the importance of just communicating face-to-face -face and directly. That's Jed up in La Couture, Wisconsin. Our fourth guest is joining us from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Dr. Emily Hazus. She's a research scientist for the Pacific Institute for Research and Evaluation. Emily is also Fort Sill Apache. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yeah, Emily, well tell us, when did you first get on Twitter? I, I don't even remember. I've had a couple of accounts. So I, don't, I was an early adopter, I'll just say that. Okay, and, and how big of a game changer has Twitter been for you, both personally and professionally? 
Um, you know, over time, my use of Twitter has changed. I, originally, I used it because it was sort of the new thing, and I went there because people were funny, <laughs> and it was a place to kind of see people be clever and fun with words. But um, as I've grown older and um, you know, my needs have changed, it's become more of a place to find, um, you know, academics, native ap academics, because there's just not a lot of us. I've also... Um, found it to be a really good resource to find health information that you wouldn't see in newspapers or on the news. Um, you get sort of the most recent things that are coming out. Um, that's particularly interesting to me because I have long COVID and, uh, you know, it's just really hard to find information about that. Um, well, let's, yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, let's talk more uh, about uh, Twitter and, and its impact, especially with regard to these concerns about health misinformation now and these concerns that with it cooling down and, and perhaps we're going to see a spike in COVID cases and uh, the platform is not being monitored and, and regula regulated like it was in the past with regard to, to health information. What do we need to be paying attention to right now if, if we're on Twitter and we're going there for, for news, especially about COVID and, and other health concerns? Yeah, you know, that's really scary to even consider. It's never, even though it was said to be regulated, I never felt like it was actually regulated all that well, it was always very easy to find misinformation on Twitter. So um, you had to be careful. You had to make sure that the source that you were going to was a reputable source. Was it maybe from NIH or from CDC or from actual health researchers? And I'm, I'm a health researcher already. I have a PhD. I'm a nurse. And so I have the tenacity and curiosity and training to know if something is reliable but a lot of people don't have that, and so it's scary. Um, I worry about the the number of people who are looking for information to verify what they want to believe, and it's there. Sure, sure. And, and then another concern are, are these bots, right? And, and you, know, you see a post, you see comments, and you're wondering, okay, is this a real person? Is this an organization? Or is this some, some bot-generated uh, content? And what can listeners do to to get a gauge on that and and just for themselves to to do, be able to determine whether or not the information they're they're getting or they're reading is is coming from an actual person oh that's so it's a complicated question because i've even fallen for bots i found out after sort of the dapple stuff started to fade away that i'd fallen for some bots then because they were really clever at targeting their audiences to try and cause division um, and so when you look at the at a post, you have to see is this does this look like a human? Are they did they just start creating posts? Do they have followers? Do they have more than one follower? And are they following more than one person? Do they have a history? Uh, and um, do they have a picture that looks like um, a human being? It, sometimes you have to dig down a little bit. A lot of people don't have the patience and time for that. Um, so, you know, don't believe everything you see. Don't believe that everybody that, or every content that you have on Twitter is actual human content. Always have that grain of salt of, um, you know, just that it's not real. And if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Okay. Too good to be true probably is. Good information from Emily Hazus. We've got another call. My new listening on KCXU in San Jose. My new welcome to Native America Calling. Thank you. 
Sean. <clears throat> I run a um, a radio, a community radio station in downtown San Jose, and your show, all the native uh, voice shows, are aired from six to eleven, Monday through Friday, and uh, luckily, um, the corporation from Alaska uh, paid for airing these shows that's that's a shout out to the people too um that's having this show on well in terms of uh twitter it's just a platform and a person is allowed to uh voice and i think uh even if you don't like what they're having to say it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to believe it it does not mean that you agree with it, but they have a voice. So, <clears throat> and I'm looking at the stats of 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 the uh, Twitter uh, in terms of the revenue that is produced uh, in 2020. It was under four million, four billion dollars million dollars sorry and in 2021 it was five million dollars so you wonder why musk bought it and too bad the people uh, he's scrubbing down and a lot of people are losing their jobs but Mm -hmm. look around you uh the tech industry is changing and that's life right always changing but uh, okay. there's gain for people who are on Twitter, and there are people that are just browsing. We use Twitter specifically to reach out, just like on Facebook and all the other social media, because we have a radio station, community, okay. nonprofit right. radio station. Okay. Mind you, I'm sorry um, we're running low on time here for the show, but I, I do appreciate your comments. and. And again, just reminding us that uh, ultimately it's up to us as users to to read responsibly and to think critically and um, and, and pay attention, first and foremost, when, when we're using Twitter or any other social media platform. And uh, let's go back to our, our, our guest, Emily. And Emily, I want to get your thought again. Um, what can we do uh, in addition to paying attention to some of these bots and, and making sure that information that we're receiving through Twitter is, is legitimate? Any other tips or best practices to help us be more responsible social media users? Absolutely. Um, if there's something that you see, uh, you can go ahead and Google it and see if there's somewhere, somewhere else where it's also printed um, to, just to confirm because there often are claims that are made on Twitter. And if you just do a triangulation, if you look for it someplace else, if it's there, there's a better chance that it's actually happening or it's present. Um, you know, you can go to Twitter and find the most recent information, but that doesn't mean it's the only place you're going to find it. Uh, you, you need to confirm, you know, trust but verify. Okay. And how about you, Emily? Are you staying on Twitter for now? I am um, because it's, not just for me a good resource, but it's also a place where I can read voices that don't otherwise have a voice. It's a place where I can find other Native folks, but also 
by people who have chronic illness. It's really one of the only places for people who have chronic illness to actually have a place to talk freely. Um, and I, I respect that and I want to be able to see and hear those voices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to think of, of all these communities that are there on Twitter and uh, healthcare needs, uh, elders, people that are in distress. And um, do you do you meet? Uh, I mean, do you have a lot of people just reach out to you just for questions specifically directed at you or for resources, Emily, through Twitter and other channels? Not not as often as I'd like. I, I always like to be a resource, but sometimes that happens or other times I'll see somebody and I'll reach out to them um, because I'll have an answer to the question that they have uh, or I'll connect them or I'll, I'll retweet them so that, that, that you can amplify their voice and they can find the resource that they need. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think you'll try any of these new platforms we've been talking like Mastodon or some of these other ones? I don't have the energy right now. I mean, if it, it starts to emerge as a place I need to go, I'll go there. But right now there's enough people on Twitter that I'm going to stay there and hope that we can ride out this storm. Okay. And uh, the verified blue check accounts, uh, are you paying attention to those? I never paid attention to that. I mean, the people that I pay attention to are, they don't need the blue check anyway. <laughs> They've already got the credibility, right? For certain, for certain. Yeah. So uh, really interesting discussion today with all of our guests and talking about Twitter and the future of Twitter. What does it mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for Native communities and especially Native Twitter? Uh, this is a very ongoing story, so I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more about Twitter in the months to come. And I'm sure we're all going to be influenced either directly as users or as followers. So unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap up our discussion now. I'd like to thank our guests, Tracy Sorrell, Dr. Twyla Baker, Dr. Emily Jesus, and Aylin Cucci for a riveting conversation about Native Twitter. Join us on NEC again tomorrow for discussion about the ins and outs of forensic science. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. Thanks for listening. Are you a Native American health care provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin a six-month advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online masterclass looks through the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach to provide powerful, proven modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is March 24, 2023. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show. This month and every month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a healthcare professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash hbpcontrol. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreement CPIMP 211227 and CPIMP 211228. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. 
Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.